I took cake of watercolor, and applied with a brush, and every variety of tone can be made with the side of the chalk. Some care should be taken not to let the warm finger touch the stone, or it may make a greasy mark that will print. When this initial drawing is done to the artist's satisfaction, the most usual method is to treat the stone with a solution of gum arabic and a little nitric acid. After this is dry, the gum is washed off as far as may be with water, some of the gum is left in the porous stone, but it is rejected where the greasy lines and tones of the drawing come. Prints may now be obtained by rolling up the stone with an ink roller. The ink is composed of a varnish of boiled linseed oil and any of the lithographic colors to be commercially obtained. The ink does not take on the damp gum stone, but only where the lithographic chalk has made a greasy mark, so that a perfect facsimile of the drawing on stone is obtained. When a sheet of paper is placed on the stone and the hole put through the press, the medium deserves to be much more popular with draftsmen in an island as no more perfect means of reproduction could be devised. The lithographic stone is rather a cumbersome thing to handle, but the initial drawing can be done on paper and afterwards transferred to the stone. In the case of line work the result is practically identical, but where much tome and playing about with the chalk is indulged in the stone is much better. Lithographic papers of different textures are made for this purpose, but almost any paper will do, provided the drawing is done with the special lithographic chalk. Pen and ink was a favorite means of making studies with many old masters, notably Rembrandt, often heightening the effect with a wash. He conveyed marvelous suggestions with the simplest scribbles but it is a difficult medium for the young student to hope to do much with in his studies. Although for training the eye and hand to quick definite statement of impressions, there is much to be said for it. No hugging of half-tones is possible. Things must be reduced to a statement of clear darks which would be a full corrective to the tendency so many students had of seeing chiefly the half-tones in their work. Illustration, play LVI. Study in pen and ink and wash for Trian, the boar hunt, Rubens Louvre photo Giraud and the kind of pen used will depend on the kind of drawing you wish to make. In steel pens there are innumerable varieties, from the fine croquills to the thick, J, nibs. The natural croquill is a much more sympathetic tool than a steel pen, although not quite so certain in its line, but more play and variety is to be got out of it, and when a free pen drawing is wanted it is preferable. Reed pens are also made and are full when thick lines are wanted. They sometimes have a steel spring underneath to hold the ink somewhat in the same manner as some fountain pens. There is even a glass pen, consisting of a sharp blunt cone of glass with grooves running down to the point. The ink is held in these grooves, and runs down and is deposited freely as the pen is used. A line of only one thickness can be drawn with it, but this can be drawn in any direction, an advantage over most other shapes. Etching is a process of reproduction that consists in drawing with a steel point on a wax plate of copper or zinc, and then putting it in a bath of diluted nitric acid to bite in the lines. The longer the plate remains in the bath the deeper and darker the lines become, so that variety in thickness is got by stopping out with a varnish the light lines when they are sufficiently strong, and letting the darker ones have a longer exposure to the acid. Many wonderful and beautiful things have been done with this simple means. The printing consists in inking the plate all over and wiping off until only the lines retain any ink. When the plate is put in a press and an impression taken, or some slight amount of ink may be left on the plate in certain places where a tint is wanted, and a little may be smudged out of the lines themselves to give them a softer quality. In fact there are no end of tricks a clever etching printer will adopt to give quality to his print. The varieties of paper on the market at the service of the artist are innumerable. 
and nothing need be said here except that the texture of your paper will have a considerable influence on your drawing, but try every sort of paper so as to find what suits the particular things you want to express. I make a point of buying every new paper I see, and a new paper is often a stimulant to some new quality in drawing. Avoid the wood pulp papers, as they turn dark after a time. Linen rag is the only safe substance for good papers, and artists now have in the OW papers a large series that they can rely on being made of linen only. It is sometimes advisable, when you are not drawing a subject that demands a clear hard line, but where more sympathetic qualities are wanted, to have a wad of several sheets of paper under the one you are working on, pinned on the drawing board. This gives you a more sympathetic surface to work upon and improves the quality of your work. In redrawing a study with which you are not quite satisfied, it is a good plan to use a thin paper, pinning it over the first study so that it can be seen through. One can by this means start as it were from the point where one left off. Good papers of this description are now on the market. I fancy they are called banknote papers. XXI conclusion mechanical invention, mechanical knowledge, and even a mechanical theory of the universe, have so influenced the average modern mind, that it has been thought necessary in the foregoing pages to speak out strongly against the idea of a mechanical standard of accuracy in artistic drawing. If there were such a standard, the photographic camera would serve our purpose well enough. And, considering how largely this idea is held, one need not be surprised that some painters use the camera, indeed, the wonder is that they do not use it more as it gives in some perfection the mechanical accuracy which is all they seem to aim at in their work. There may be times when the camera can be of use to artists, but only to those who are thoroughly competent to do without it to those who can look, as it were, through the photograph and draw from it with the same freedom and spontaneity with which they would draw from nature, thus avoiding its dead mechanical accuracy, which is a very difficult thing to do. But the camera is a convenience to be avoided by the student. Now. Although it has been necessary to insist strongly on the difference between phenomena mechanically recorded and the records of a living individual consciousness, I should be very sorry if anything said should lead students to assume that a loose and careless manner of study was in any way advocated. The training of his eye and hand to the most painstaking accuracy of observation and record must be the student's aim for many years. The variations on mechanical accuracy in the work of a fine draftsman need not be, and seldom are, conscious variations. Mechanical accuracy is a much easier thing to accomplish than accuracy to the subtle perceptions of the artist, and he who cannot draw with great precision the ordinary cold aspect of things cannot hope to catch the fleeting aspect of his finer vision. Those artists who can only draw in some weird fashion remote from nature may produce work of some interest, but they are too much at the mercy of a natural trick of hand to hope to be more than interesting curiosities in art. The object of your training in drawing should be to develop to the uttermost the observation of form and all that it signifies, and your powers of accurately portraying this on paper, and flinching honesty must be observed in all your studies. It is only then that the you in you will eventually find expression in your work, and it is this personal quality, this recording of the impressions of life as felt by a conscious individual that is the very essence of distinction in art. The seeking after originality, so much advocated would be better put, seeking for sincerity. Seeking for originality usually resolves itself into a running after any peculiarity in manner that the changing fashions of a restless age may throw up. One of the most original men who ever lived did not trouble to invent the plots of more than three or four of his plays. 
but was content to take the hackneyed work of his time as the vehicle through which to pour the rich treasures of his vision of life, and wrote, What custom wills in all things do you do it? Individual style will come to you naturally as you become more conscious of what it is you wish to express. There are two kinds of insincerity in style. The employment of a ready-made conventional manner that is not understood and that does not fit the matter, and the running after and laboriously seeking an original manner when no original matter exists. Good style depends on a clear idea of what it is you wish to do, it is the shortest means to the end aimed at. The most apt manner of conveying that personal, something, that is in all good work. The style is the man. As Flaubert says, the splendor and value of your style will depend on the splendor and value of the mental vision inspired in you, that you seek to convey, on the quality of the man. In other words, and this is not a matter where direct teaching can help you, but rests between your own consciousness and those higher powers that move it.